0: Brooklyn's Radio. Loving country. Uh, Brooklyn's Radio in the UK welcomes the amazing Nashville based singer songwriter. That's Chloe Collins. Uh, Chloe, thanks for coming along today.
1: Of course. Thank you for having me.
0: Uh, Chloe, your songs have been featured in TV shows such as Heartland, uh, Bellevue, and Nashville. But take us back to those very early days. I think I read somewhere that you were. Well, You grew up in Manhattan, but tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into music.
1: Yeah, uh, so, I mean, I've started singing when I could talk, probably before I could talk, I was singing. Uh, my family was very musical. They would always play music around the house and they had really good tastes, thankfully. So it was a lot of <laughs> uh, Beach Boys, Rolling Stones, uh, you know, that kind of stuff when I was, you know, like four and uh, I loved it and uh my dad was a musician and i kind of taught myself guitar at age eight because i'd seen the hannah montana movie and i was a huge hannah montana fan as i think we all were at eight and uh i was thinking you know i saw her sing the song butterfly fly away and i thought oh my gosh i have to learn this like this song is amazing i just want to be able to do this i want to be able to do what she's doing and so i Taught myself a few chords on the guitar from the internet. Thankful for ultimate guitar.com. <laughs> <They are> very <laughs> uh, have every chord imaginable. Um, and I kind of did that. And then I started writing my own songs. And I think I wrote my first song on a really tiny piece of paper and uh, kind of just took off from there just kept writing and I would write like every day I was so in love with it I thought it was just the coolest thing that I could make something out of absolutely nothing like a completely blank page you know I just
0: thought that was so cool really good um so how did you get your first break in the music industry and how old were you then
1: let's see I mean I feel like Break is kind of relative because I feel like I'm still not, still haven't gotten it. Um, But I think I, well, the first time I had a song on a TV show, that was huge for me. Uh, I was 13, which is insane to think of now, like 13-year-old me just emailing music supervisors and thinking they would respond to me. That's kind of crazy. But uh, I got one of my songs on the TV show, The Vineyard on ABC Family. Yeah. And I remember we gathered my whole family and we watched it and we made brownies and it was kind of an inappropriate show for a 13 year old. So the second that my song came on, like it finished and my parents turned it off. They were like, OK, you're going to bed. <laughs> like, we're done. That was <laughs> fun. But we're over. Um, but yeah, I think that was definitely a highlight. And then, of course, when I got my song on the uh, 100th episode of the TV show Nashville, that was really I would say that was pretty life changing <laughs> considering I I was. Bet our- it was. Yeah, I was in the midst of moving to Nashville when I got the call that I had a song on the show Nashville. I was like, this could have been called Michigan. Like, it happened to be a show called Nashville. What are the odds? So that was kind of wild.
0: Wow. So you talked about Hannah Montana being a huge influence. What other uh, musical influences did you have when you were young?
1: Ooh, when I was young is a good question. I always get the question, you know, who are they now? But I think some of them have remained the same. But some, like Billie Eilish, was like 12 when I was, what, 14? So it's kind of like she wasn't existent, but now she's a big uh, idol of mine and Dua Lipa. Um, I think when I was young, definitely, obviously, Hannah Montana. That was a staple. Uh, Anything that was from Disney
0: was a big So talk talk about now then. I mean, your, your musical tastes sound quite varied then.
1: Yes, uh, pretty all over the place, because, again, as I said, my parents played, uh, you know, their favorite mu- music around the house. So I'd get their taste in mind and then it would kind of mix with whatever I'd hear on the radio. So now it's kind of a combination. Like I might go to the Stones concert on Saturday. However, I still listen to Dua Lipa and then, uh, you know, not just pop, but country like uh, Carrie Underwood's Incredible, Lady A, um, Old Dominion. Like, I just think the more I listen to, the more will kind of influence my music. Like, sometimes I write songs, I'm like, where did that come from? (laughs) Was that a jazz song? What was that? But I think the more I listen to, the more I can kind of collect in my brain. And then it kind of comes out into my songs, but in a completely twisted, different way, like my version of it. You know, so I
0: think that's always cool. And you were saying about dad being a musician. Um so so were there any influences from from Mum and Dad musically? I think you mentioned the Stones there. Any other bands that really played a part in your early life?
1: Ooh, uh definitely Sting, uh, Eric Clapton, Stones as I said, uh, Beach Boys, Beatles. My dad was a huge <laughs> is a huge Beatles fan still. He's <laughs> very into them now. Um, and uh yeah, they just again great taste. I, my mom loved Prince. She was a big Prince fan. Uh, Madonna was in there. (laughs) little Dash of Steely Dan, little Fleetwood Mac. It was like all the greats.
0: (laughs) Sounds like the house was full of music all the time, which is what you want. All the time. It was great. (laughs) (laughs) So you started your life in Manhattan. Um, How long was it before you made that move to Nashville?
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting because I was a big fan of country music when I lived in New York. But in New York, they are like, what? First of all, what even is country music? And second, you know, none of the kids in my school even listened to it. Uh, they thought it was what it was, you know, 50, 60 years ago with the banjos and everything. And I was like, no, it's kind of different now. <laughs> like Maren Morris and stuff, is completely different. But the second I moved to Nashville, everyone here, obviously, it's Nashville. <laughs> they love it, you know, and it's, playing out of every club on Broadway and it's just it's such a big thing here and in New York it was so not even a little bit you know I was like the only person writing these songs with stories in them and everyone else was just full-on you know EDM or pop or whatever it was and so I just thought that was definitely one of the biggest differences and of course the people in Nashville are very nice southern hospitality is real.
0: (laughs) So what age were you when you went to Nashville?
1: I had been coming down to Nashville since I was about 13 or 14 to record. So I would fly back and forth. But I think I actually ended up moving here when I was 17. And because that's when I got the song on Nashville when I was 17. So it was like it. I was going back and forth for a while. But then I finally settled here at
0: 17. So it's, it's clearly influenced your your music and your writing. Tell us about some of the, the, the legendary venues that you played at Nashville.
1: Yeah. uh, So just recently, I played The Listening Room, which was very exciting. That's been on my bucket list for a really, really long time. Uh, I've seen so many shows there. And then to finally play there, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm sitting on this stage. I'm not watching people on the stage. That's wild. (laughs) And um, the Bluebird Cafe, I played when I was 15. uh, And at the time, I really knew it for uh, where Taylor Swift got discovered. But now, of course, I know all the history behind it. And it's just it's even more legendary than I think people realize, is how many people have graced that stage. But uh, I think I've played there three times. And then, uh, ooh, what are some? Oh, Whiskey Jam. It's one of my absolute favorite shows to play in Nashville. It's uh, at the Winners Bar and Grill, and it's always packed with people, which is so fun. And it's just always a great crowd and a great response. And the other night they had uh, a whiskey jam where they had Sam Hunt come and appear and Jordan Davis, like all these huge stars. So it's just really cool to be a part of that.
0: Brilliant. So, so the size of those venues, before we move on, size of those, how big are those venues? And what sort of size crowd do you get there just for the UK audience because they may not know?
1: Right. Well, so the listening room is pretty. Uh, considerable size it's like eh, I don't know maybe the size of a football field is what I'm thinking it's hard to kind of uh, describe that I guess but the bluebird is very small that it's kind of known for being small because it's intimate I think they can only fit about mm, maybe 100 people in there Uh, and they'll have huge stars I mean Taylor Swift was there before COVID she came and performed there and it's a It's always packed in there but it's so quiet everyone just listens which I love they just go silent and they just listen to your lyrics and that is the coolest thing ever uh and then whiskey jam is pretty it's like as big as the listening room except it's packed with people (laughs) because the listening room is like a restaurant as well so they have um tables where people sit but whiskey jam is like body to body everyone is up against each other and it's great it's fun it's very much like uh, our lower broadway here which is always super crowded and super loud music in the best way it's so much fun.
0: Uh, So you mentioned that your music features in some notable tv shows are these all songs that you've written yourself how did all this come about?
1: Yes so I had written these songs beforehand uh, yes by myself uh, when I was 12, 13, I think, for the very first one. And then I had thought, you know, I'd always want one of my songs on a TV show because I'd heard so many of my favorite songs on TV shows. That was like the first place that I heard them. So I started researching music supervisors for different TV shows and movies and things like that. And then I uh, actually heard back from a few of them after I emailed them, which is
0: kind of rare now that did you I know ex- that. I was going say, did you expect that? I mean, is it? It's, oh, you know, no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. No, I didn't think. Because it's, it's like emailing a record label and being like, here's my music. You don't know me, but what do you think? So... Kind of surprising when they, and I think they had also heard my songs on Spotify editor playlists, like my songs had been on Wild Country and things like that. So it wasn't a complete random stranger, I guess, and that might have helped, but still kind of shocking to get a response from them
0: at all. And programs like Nashville, I mean, they've they've gone global. So what's been the reaction of both friends and family towards that?
1: That one was huge. And I remember it distinctly because I would see my family after I learned that I got the song in it. But (laughs) I got the email saying, congratulations, you have a song on Nashville. Now you can't talk about it for three months. I was like, oh, cool. That's going to work really well. (laughs) Um, So I I was on a trip with family when I found out. And they were (laughs) asking me, so what's new with you? You know, anything exciting happening, all this? I was just like... Nope, nothing going on at all. Totally boring. Like, I don't, you know, I really couldn't say anything to anybody. Like my parents knew because I was 17. So the parents legally had to knew, but otherwise my friends didn't know anybody and then literally the night before the episode aired was when I was able to tell people so I posted it on Instagram and I got all these texts from people saying oh my gosh I had no idea like yeah that was kind of boring like I couldn't tell anybody but oh man that was that was agony (laughs) being able to keep quiet
0: about that. Did, Did people change their attitude towards you and how they treated you?
1: That's a good question. I, I mean, obviously family kind of stayed the same, but well, my grandma was very proud. She went around to her entire, (laughs) she was in a a home with different people her age and she was telling everybody about me. She was like, she had a song on Nashville. It was huge. Like it's on cable. I was like, yeah, (laughs) but uh, yeah, I think everyone just kind of, I mean, it definitely changed the game for me because when I would go up to people later, like I think I went up to, uh, to Neil Towns, who sings the song Somebody's Daughter on country radio. And I went up to her once and I said, oh, hi, I'm Chloe Collins. She said, oh, I know who you are. <laughs> that, was, that was wild. Like that. I think it really just changed everything for me. And so I'm so grateful
0: that that happened. So, so tell us a little bit about how you approach writing and producing new material.
1: Yeah uh well when writing I always start out probably with either a title or an idea or like a concept um sometimes I don't have a title going in and I just feel like I'm flying blind until I get to the chorus and then I figure it out from there but I usually start with that and then I think of the verse first I know a lot of people write their chorus first but I have never really done that uh Maybe I should, but uh, there's no rules. It's songwriting. It's fine. Um, but I usually write my verse, and then it kind of goes into the chorus, and I come up with a chord progression first, because I think doing weird seventh chords and just strange you know, minor keys, whatever, that's kind of something I love to do. So I really uh, put that first, and then I kind of build a melody and lyrics around it. But then with producing, I've been uh, producing with Smith Curry, who is incredible. Mm. He wrote, he co-wrote my song uh, "Didn't Want You" with me uh, a few years ago, pre pre pandemic. Does everything is pre pandemic or after pandemic? Uh, and he uh, now produces all of my music, and he is incredible. And we get a whole band in there, like the old days, like a whole band in one place. And um, he kind of directs the band and I tell them what I want it to sound like. And then they just go. And it's like, I'm in there for a total of maybe 15 minutes because they do a bunch of songs at once. And. Wow. Uh, yeah so I'm in and out and then it's you know I have someone who mixes it and masters it and everything. but the main part of it is done in like fifty minutes. They are the best players in Nashville. I cannot emphasize how talented they are enough. They're really incredible. Um, what, so yeah one take Chloe
0: you'll be known as no yeah
1: one <laughs> literally one take.
0: <laughs> um, what about uh, you've got all that talent that you talked about in Nashville? What about collaboration, creative collaboration with other artists?
1: Yes. Uh, So I do write with a lot of, I do write with some artists, but mostly I'm the artist in the room, in the songwriting room. So I will write with a bunch of songwriters around Nashville. And uh, I have met some incredible people doing that. I go to a school, the Belmont University here, which is, I'm a songwriting major because it's a music school and that's not really a thing anywhere else, songwriting major. Um, But I have met so many people through my school And then I write with, uh, Emily Kroll, who's doing some really great things. She wrote, uh, just about over you for Priscilla block. And she's so talented and we have written a bunch of songs together. She wrote my most recent single with me actually. And, uh, I think we met just she was volunteering at this songwriter association and I just kept showing up to different events and she said you know what I see you every day let's just write together because I write and you write and I said okay let's do it knowing nothing I'd heard none of her music and we went in and the first day we wrote a song that I still play at live shows all the time so it's just you never know who is gonna who you're gonna click with because you can yeah. be best friends with someone and then you write together and it just doesn't work it's a completely different kind of, you know, working together, collaboration, whatever. So it's just, it's really interesting to see.
0: So let's throw this one at you. If you could choose one artist in the world that you'd like to collaborate with, who would that be?
1: Oh, uh, so many. <laughs> but I think... <laughs> I, this has been my answer for a while, and I think it still stands, Marion Morris, because her music has influenced mine so much. Uh, I mean, The Bones is an incredible song, and I love how she's both pop and country at the same time, because she's got that storytelling aspect with country, which is key, Um, but then she's got those pop melodies. And I think uh, being able to write with her, especially since her whole first album was just her and Busby, they wrote together, It's, you know, co-writing is such a huge thing in Nashville. And then she just came out with this record that blew up and it was co-written, but not with like 5 million people. (laughs) It was just like one other person. So I think it'd be really great to just get in a room, just one-on-one with her and write a song. Mm. I think that would be a really interesting
0: collaboration. And whilst you're still young and your career is in its ascendancy, best memories so far or career highlights, anything that springs to mind?
1: Ooh, well i was just thinking about this the other day actually so i guess this is a pretty big highlight i was playing whiskey jam which i mentioned earlier and i was called over someone said oh someone wants to talk to you after i finished my set and i played about three songs there and i walk over and randy travis the legendary singer songwriter is sitting there and wow. he says he watched my whole show And he loved it. And he thought my songwriting was incredible coming from someone who's written some of the greatest country songs in existence. And he just gave me some really good advice and said to keep going and, you know, follow your dreams, all that kind of stuff. And I walked out crying. I was like, there's no way that just happened. That is not real but i think that really like i was on cloud 9 for about a week after that so i think that was definitely maybe the number one
0: highlight i'm sure no that's amazing that is utterly amazing and at the moment then so you you do have a manager and a label or not was or that still the case I, hopefully still to
1: come I, I'm crossing my fingers for that right now it's just me and uh, I do my own you know managing and social media TikTok and all that and it's super fun but it is a lot of work so it would be yeah. nice oh,
0: sure. to have someone
1: to help. yeah
0: and yet you've had tracks that have already done quarter of a million streams you know it's like it's amazing success if you're doing that single-handedly how have you achieved that?
1: Thank you. Uh, Well, I think TikTok had a lot to do with it. I I did get streams in the, you know, 100,000s before that, because I had a song on CMT, the music video got on CMT, which was a huge push for that. Um, But I think TikTok, I mean, I posted one of my songs on there, thinking nothing would happen with it. And it just kind of escalated very quickly and it has had like hundreds of videos of people lip-syncing to it which is hard for me to even comprehend that many people know my songs because I just play it to my you know stuffed animals in my room thinking okay no one's ever going to hear this but whatever and then that kind of translated into streams all those people went to Spotify because they wanted to hear the whole song because you know TikTok's like what 15 seconds so they're like oh I want more of this so they go on Spotify and now I mean I think I think program Crimes at like 200,000, a little over 200,000, which is like, I don't even know that many people. That's crazy. <laughs> It's crazy to think that many people have listened to my music. That's
0: wild. And that brilliant feeling when people sing your songs back to you.
1: That is, I've always told myself, there's no definition of making it in the industry for me, except if I was able to sing my song live and have an entire audience of people sing it back to me. And that has already happened because even though it was during the pandemic, I did a Zoom party, like on Zoom with a bunch of fans from TikTok and they sang the chorus of Partner Grind" back to me. And I just thought that was the most insane <laughs> thing to ever happen. So I hope a- there's much more of that to come.
0: Got to be a great feeling, hasn't it?
1: it's um, really insane so the
0: tracks over here in the uk on brooklyn's radio that we're loving are friends without benefits partners in crime and that new release that you've got out now which is uh somebody else's uh so far um what track are you most proud of that you produced so far
1: oh that's a good question <laughs> it's it's hard because they're all my songs so i you know i'm <laughs> i'm biased first of all but i uh, i love all of them i think Mind of Mine might be my personal favorite, although I love um, how Somebody Else's came out, because again, as I said, I wrote that with Emily Kroll, and it was, we just felt good about that song. We thought, you know what, I think this is one I should release, because I'd written with her like 11 times before that, but then the 12th time, right, we come up with a song that I'm like, no, I think this is the one. Um, So that was really special, and I think there's something about the lyrics in that song that really Hit people a certain way whenever I play it on, um, you know, TikTok or whatever else. People are saying, Oh, that song, No, <laughs> Like, I like the other ones with that one. And I just think I always read what my audience has to say because I think that's super important. Like, I will choose singles depending on what people like the most, you know, acoustic. Uh, I also do like Friends Without Benefits, as you mentioned. I think the production on that is really. They did such a cool job with that. They went all out the band and they, I mean, they're super talented. I'm not surprised, but they just, they did an incredible job. So I don't know. I love all of them. I don't, uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's a tough question. I appreciate it's that. It's a tough question. <laughs> so you're, you're back playing live again now. I mean, how difficult was it through that period of COVID? With you know, Was that a year that you lost?
1: I... I thought it would be a year that I would lose at the beginning. I thought, you know, well, well, might have to try something else because music might be, you know, it's over, but I did the TikTok thing and I really researched it. I, you know, saw how other people did it, different artists, different just creators in general. And then I really tapped into that and that changed everything. I mean, that was another thing, like getting my song on Nashville. It kind of changed the game with, you know, now I have, almost 35,000 people on there asking me for a new single, even though I just put one out, right? Like that I could have never imagined before. And I started doing live streams on there instead of real shows in person because before I would do four or five shows in person, you know, a night, uh, a night, four or five shows a night. Yeah, no, four or five shows a week uh, around Nashville. And it was great. And I thought, oh, my gosh, how am I? <laughs> I mean, if that's done, what else am I going to do, you know, and writing you can write in person. But, you know, we figured out the Zoom thing slowly, but surely everyone kind of got on the horse with that. But uh, yeah, no, I think TikTok was really my my saviour during quarantine because that just really helped so much with releases and everything so
0: yeah so let's take you out of Nashville for a moment if there was one venue anywhere in the world that you could play where would that be
1: oh you know since I am from New York I always thought that Madison Square Garden would be the coolest place ever because I saw all my first concerts there and to be able to stand on that stage, not even be a headliner. I mean, headliner would be great. Think big. But (laughs) I think just to be on that stage as anything, I think that would be just the coolest thing just because, you know, I've seen it from the audience for so long and to turn that around would be really surreal.
0: Excellent. What do you hope for in the next 12 months?
1: Oh, well, I hope the world somehow comes back to normal. (laughs) That would be amazing. Um, And I do hope that the TikTok thing continues to grow. It has been, which I've been very grateful for, but um, I also meet some incredible fans on there and I get to, you know, interact with them and they send me gifts and stuff, which is so cool. And I just, I hope that stays, uh, even if the world goes back to normal, because I think it that's a really unique experience for me. Uh, I would love to go on a tour. I'm not sure if it would be within the next 12 months, um, but that would be ideal. Because uh, again, these people from TikTok, they're like, oh, come to North Carolina, come to Sweden. And I'm like, okay, well, I can only do like one trip with each of those, um, but So I think if I could go on a tour, that would cover a lot of different cities, and then those people could come to those shows, and that would be insane. So
0: that would be a cool feeling. And how's the new release going now? How's it uh, since since it's been released? How successful has it been so far?
1: It's I've been surprised actually. It's been going really well, uh, not only on TikTok but on uh, different radio stations. It's already been climbing the music row charts, which is insane. Uh, It's like climbing faster than any of my other songs. It's already at Think 108 and it just entered <laughs> so usually it's like at I don't know, 300 200 something it's like at the very bottom but it yeah. jumped up super quickly and it's like most added on a bunch of stations and I, it's doing really well so i'm crossing my fingers that it does even more well and hopefully that'll be my what third break in the industry that would be really cool
0: well, congratulations, that's really good news for you. And Thank you. Let, let's let's just end by talking about you outside of music. Tell us about Chloe Collins and what she gets up to outside of the music industry.
1: Yeah, well, writing is huge for me. First of all, I love reading books. I made a challenge for myself to read a hundred books this year, and I'm I don't think I'm gonna get there, but I'm getting very close. Uh and then writing in any capacity. So, you know, writing novels or writing I write on my school newspaper just to, you know, practice that writing, keep up that skill in a different format. And also I love it. (laughs) It's what I love to do. So I'm like, you know, writing in any form would just be so much fun. Uh, But yeah, that's my main pastime other than reading is literally writing, either writing a song because that's what I do. But, (laughs) uh, you know, I've been writing novels since I was like, 10, maybe. Uh, I don't know how good they were when I was 10, but I'm sure they were something because I was, you know, still writing songs then. So,
0: well, I tell you what, we are loving your music, Chloe, and uh, we're wishing you all the very, very best of luck with that new release uh, that uh, you got out somebody else's. Um, thanks for talking to us on Brooklyn Radio today, and uh, we hope to get you back at some later stage.
1: Yes, thank you so much.
0: Chloe, thanks for talking to us today. Brooklyn's Radio. Loving country.